You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Creatives will often say, I never saw it that way. My experience has never been validated this way. And it's been validated now because I've used my words and my terms and my creative modality to process this. So it really gives them a sense of agency in telling their story, telling their narrative through their lens. Have you ever imagined this incredible idea, but for some reason you did not follow through on it, you did not release it, you did not create it or see it through? How do you decide which ideas are good or bad, are worthy of releasing? You're listening to Flaunt Your Fire, the branding and visibility podcast where we own our values as we amplify our influence. I am your host, India Jackson. And I am so excited to be with you today. I'm excited for my guest today and just all things this episode. Today, I am going to be talking to Amna Arman, and we are going to be diving into so much around this concept of creative hoarding and bad art. Because how many times have you had an idea that you did not follow through on. I'll be the first to say that applies to me. (laughs) It definitely does. How many times have you said something was like not quite there yet? So you just kind of sat on it and you didn't share it with others. You didn't put it out into the world. Well, that's exactly why we're bringing this episode to you because I truly do believe that there is so much wonderful ideas and concepts and content and art out there that are living in people's heads or maybe got created, but we just aren't getting to witness because they haven't shared it with us yet. In this episode, Amna and I are going to be talking about what flaunting her fire means for her right now. We're going to be talking about what creative hoarding is. She's going to share why we don't pursue our ideas and visions, the real reason we don't release what we created. And Anna's also going to share her unique perspective on bad art. And last but not least, it wouldn't be a flaunt your fire episode if Amna did not share one thing, but Amna loves giving you more. So she shared two things you can do to create some change and impact in your life today (laughs) in regards to your concepts around the content, art, and ideas and projects that you've been working on. And who's Amna, right? Who's Amna Armand? So let me tell you about her. Amna Armand is a holistic therapist, community organizer, advocate, and artist. As a nationally certified counselor, she supports creatives, marginalized communities, and those who feel like an outsider in their own life. Taking a non-traditional approach to therapy, she helps her clients cultivate self-acceptance and identify what they need to thrive. Amna specializes in narrative exposure therapy and has been sought out for her approach to addressing anxiety in adolescent women of color. She received her Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, as well as a Bachelor's of Arts in Creative Writing from Georgia State University. And Anna's just a beautiful human being. I mean, such a pleasure to chat with every time she shows up with this big, loving, and bold energy. 
And I'm so excited for you to be able to get a taste of who Amna is in this episode. So without any further delay, let's get this show on the road. Amna, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, we've talked about so many things and <laughs> I feel like I have like the best little quick like conversations with you through voice message. Oh, they're so deep. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they lead to like the most interesting things that I never expect to come. And so I'm just excited to bring a bit of that energy here for the Font Your Fire audience as well as the Pause and the Play audience to listen to. Um, and <laughs> I know one of the things that's happened over the time that I've known you is that you really come into yourself. You've been spending some time working on your branding. You launched a website. Uh, you actually, well, you relaunched your website. And since then, you've also created some new images. You got on TikTok and you've been like super popular on there. And so I know I normally end with this question, but I kind of want to start with just hearing from you, what does flaunting your fire mean for you right now? Yeah, flaunting my fire right now, it feels like it's allowing myself to take up space and to just simply show up, you know, for the longest. Um, I was hiding behind like words and captions, like even online, right? And I didn't really allow myself to be seen and to be the face of my business. And to, you know, and just kind of um, allowing myself even to get on TikTok was something that I put off. Like I had downloaded the app in November and I didn't actually start recording till like February. <laughs> so you know, I had these like younger clients who were nagging me. They were just like, you need to get on TikTok. You need to do it. And it was just a constant reinforcement. And, you know, um, hearing you and Erica also kind of cheer me on and um, be there to just, you know, kind of uh, nudge me in that direction of like, you have to be seen and you have a lot of things to say. Like this is a, you, you, yeah, allow yourself to be seen. So I think for me in this season, flaunting my fire simply is just showing up as myself. Ah, I love it. And I'm so glad to see that you have shown up in the ways that you've been and you've been doing it so consistently. And <laughs> some of the things that you've had to say are being said in such a unique way that I've never seen it happening before. So it's just only natural that like your TikTok blew up and like took off and <laughs> you have people <laughs> remixing some of your videos and just doing some really cool things with you. Oh yeah, it's a different platform. And just, yeah, seeing seeing what people do with uh, the content is, is beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of content, right, I think that so many of us can download TikTok, as you say, but not actually start creating the content and putting it out there. Or we have all these ideas for the short little videos we want to do. Or you work with a lot of creatives, so art we want to create, uh, photographs we want to take, photo shoot ideas. And then we just don't put it out there into the world. And I remember it was, what, a few months ago we were talking about something and you mentioned the phrase creative hoarding. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, what is that? <laughs> And you explained it so beautifully. And by the end, I was like, shit, I'm a creative hoarder. <laughs> now, of course, the people here today reading this article or listening to the podcast were not in on that conversation. So would you care to share what is creative hoarding? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, so if we were to think about a person who actually hoards items, right? People who hoard things assign value to each and every item, right? And they have just boxes of, of items that they're simply not using. And regardless of whether like they're in need of that, those items or not, they just continue to hoard them. And the same applies to creative ideas and endeavors. Like we may or may not assign value 
to the piece or the idea. But somehow, for some reason, we just can't either see it through and we also can't get rid of it. So it goes into this um, box of creative hoarding. You know, like when you write something down and you just crumble that piece of paper, like you don't totally hate it, but you're not loving it, but you're not willing to trash it either. (laughs) And oftentimes this happens when, you know, some of our, our ideas are complex, they're overwhelming, they're big. And we're afraid of that bigness. And it just, you know, goes into this hoard. And the concept actually came to me like after months of seeing primarily creatives in in my private practice. And I kept hearing these like beautiful ideas, like people sharing, you know, clients sharing their ideas with me. And I'm like, where are all these ideas going? Like what, what? And I could just visually see it. It was like just a hoard of you know, of uh, ideas and, you know, endeavors that people were just hoarding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as you shared the concept with me, I just had like such an aha moment because (laughs) many of the listeners may not know, but um, I've been down the rabbit hole of like essentialism and minimalism for a bigger part of like my adult life. And so I'm constantly thinking about like, what am I holding on to and is it serving me and does it have a purpose or does it feel good to have it? Because not everything has to have a functional purpose, but if not, like, why is it here? And Mm -hmm. so to explore that concept with you and to realize, wow, but I totally missed like (laughs) the idea of like how many things are still living in my head that I'm hoarding. Mm -hmm. and not putting out into the world. And for those of you who are into human design, like I have an open head center. So there's always ideas coming in and out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was like, oh my goodness. So I'm just wondering, like, from your perspective, I'd love to know what are some of the reasons to why potentially we're not pursuing these ideas and these visions that are coming to us? Instantly, what comes to mind is the limiting beliefs that we have and our perception of ourselves and the work that we do. There is so much attachment that we have to our own perception of the work itself. So if I don't assign value to this thing, and if I don't feel like it's perfect enough to be released, then it's just, it's, no one's going to receive it. So there's this, yeah, this, we, we cling on to what our ego thinks of what we're creating. And for the most part, if we hold on to our perceptions of ourselves, especially if those perceptions are kind of skewed, right, or negative, then we'll never re- create and release. Hmm. It's an interesting concept there. And it, it bre- makes me think about a lot of the creatives that I've had around me over the years. I mean, even being an undergrad and being in a creative major. And you would witness people who created some of the coolest things, mm-hmm. like because they're literally creating them in your classes. So you're getting to see it whether they want you to or not. And to them, some of the coolest pieces were like the m- least interesting. It's like, oh, yep. I don't really like it. <laughs> like, but I want that. I'd put it on my wall. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I can totally see how that plays out in like real life experiences. And it also makes me wonder like what else potentially may be there. So I, I wonder if there is anything also potentially coming up as far as like emotional safety of releasing those things or sharing that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think oftentimes, too, with creatives, they'll present with, well, I just feel blocked. I just need I need you to help me with this creative blockage that I have. I don't know what it is, but I've dealt with my stuff. Right. And normally that's how people present mm. um, or clients present with that. Uh, But it's not until we kind of go back, right, and revisit childhood, (laughs) as most therapists want their clients to do, um, is we is that's where we we start seeing some of the you know emotional um, unprocessed stuff that's just kind of lingering in the background. And for the most part, you know, it's easier to just say, "Well, 
I'm just creatively blocked. And that's what I want to deal with. And the creative blockage is just, you know, that's just kind of a surface level thing. But it definitely kind of, yeah, traces back to childhood and unprocessed, unprocessed stuff. Do you find that that kind of is tied to like public opinion or fear that like culture vultures are going to steal your idea? Or does anything in particular come up for you and what you've witnessed and experienced there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's it's a little bit of everything. It's what you were taught about um, creativity when you were younger and whether your creativity was championed or, you know, validated, acknowledged, what you were told about yourself, right? Because a lot of that feeds into perception of, you know, perception of self is basically what you've been told about yourself. And the way it shows up in the present is this is how I perceive myself to be, right? And for the most part, it's negative. And everything I create is I'm seeing it through this, through this perception, this negative perception of myself. And because of that, my perception reigns supreme. And I won't allow myself to be seen. And I won't allow my craft or my, you know, my content to be seen either. And I'm going to label it as bad. Mm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit much for, uh, you know, a Wednesday afternoon. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it takes me back to, you know, some of my own like experiences and also witnessing the experiences of others that look like me, uh, mm-hmm. which if you're listening, you probably know, but just in case I'm a black woman, <laughs> American <laughs> at that. Um, and I think back and I just wonder, like, are there cultural differences there? Are there differences um, based on, you know, access and privilege and ethnicity as well? Because I can say for myself, I can't speak for all black women in America, but <laughs> creating and spending time coming up with cool ideas and even like drawing and painting and those types of things were looked at as hobbies and like okay that's cool or whatever you're doing that uh but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when things were being encouraged about education about framing what is considered work or a potential career opportunity, that was never considered. That was considered as uh, setting yourself up to be a starving artist, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, what you're saying resonates with me. Um, my parents are Middle Eastern, and um, I consider myself to be a woman of color. And yeah, when it came to um, artistic endeavors or creativity in general, like if you're, you know, my parents were in survival mode um, and, you know, they were raising seven kids. Uh, And yeah, when you're in survival mode, there is no access to, um, to creativity. Like that's not something that's championed, right? Like you really, you you don't have time to write poetry, (laughs) you know, you have to, you, you have to, you know, attain a degree that's going to allow you to pay your bills because that's that's the mindset if you're in survival mode. So it definitely, yeah, oh yeah, like culture and um, socioeconomic status, all of that affects and impacts the way you see arts, the way you see, you know, uh, creativity in general. Yeah, and I've witnessed that even um, in more of like the intellectual side of creativity where it's like I'm not necessarily producing this But in the case of like a consultant or a strategist, like you're getting paid to share. Well, if you pursue that as a career, that is, you get paid Mm -hmm. to share ideas with a client that can lead them to very innovative results in what they do. And um, I feel like I've, I've witnessed amongst my consultant friends and my design friends and my fashion designer friends, and you just name it, of color that there's this thing of like being concerned about the work that they're creating or the ideas Mm -hmm. that they have and are sharing being stolen Mm -hmm. by other cultures. And then that may have more access to publicity or access to clientele and then re-releasing that as if it's their own ideas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that for sure. 
Another thing as you were speaking that came up for me is this concept of like toxic humility, right? Mm. Like culturally, we're taught like Middle Easterners are really big on being humble and, you know, regardless of your craft, like regardless of whether you're amazing at your craft or not, that you have to approach it with a sense of humility, you know, but it's, it, it's, it's in my mind, it feels toxic because you're not allowing yourself to walk into your greatness or to see your greatness. Like there's a difference between Kanye ego, right? And a healthy sense of ego. And as an artist, as a creative, that ego, that creative ego has to be championed and has to be, you know, boosted in a sense. Um, so I, you know, I understand that we do need some form of humility, but when it comes to the, you know, different marginalized identities and creativity, uh, I'm not down for completely getting rid of ego because it is necessary. Right. It makes me think about confidence as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And if that humility is taking away from one's confidence in their work, confidence and what they're presenting and like belief in self. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is because it becomes intertwined, right? Like, well, I don't want to be too braggy. I don't want to show off. I don't want to be like one of those people on TikTok that are claiming to be an expert. You know, well, if you have dedicated, <laughs> you know, if you have dedicated time and resources to this thing that you're claiming to talk about, that you know something about, then you can claim expertise, right? That's such a huge thing because I feel like for many, um, especially earlier in career or just getting started in something new, there can be this idea that like someone else has to give you the expert crown. In order oh for you to claim god. that. Oh my god, you said it so well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. You're yeah, it's like you're waiting. It's it's that is so oh my god, this resonates with me. D are you doing this podcast for me? Because I feel like we're just talking about <laughs> me right now. <laughs> That's been me, so <laughs> okay, then it's for the both of us. <laughs> because like it it and again, until I started showing up on Instagram and TikTok, it really was like I was waiting for permission from a source that's unknown to me. Like just, I, I needed someone to be like, you're doing the thing and here's how to do it differently. Like you're doing it. There you go. Just go, go forth and be merry, you know, just be merry with what you're doing. But yeah, that has to come from within. I don't know what, what your experience has been like, but yeah, mine has definitely been internally, you know, internally recognizing that I don't need that validation, even Absolutely. though I think I do. Yeah. Absolutely. It's come from within because I just thinking back on my experiences, someone else could have told me that uh, in bodybuilding, for example, I look like I'm going to get first place, but like they could have told me that all day long. I wouldn't have believed it until I was getting first place, right? <laughs> or until I convinced myself that I looked like I was going to get mm -hmm. first place. Mm -hmm. um, coming up with just creative concepts for clients. I mean, I can think back on a project that is actually like starting to get rolled out now with a client that just felt so big. And, you know, um, I had to convince myself that, uh, I am ready and I am confident and I am skilled enough to share this with the client and know that we have a plan to execute it and it's going to work mm -hmm. out. Someone else could have told me that all day long, but I had to believe it. Are you a creative who feels extremely uncomfortable releasing your work? Do you view your content from the lens of good or bad? Do you second guess what you create often? Do you feel uncomfortable even identifying as a creative? And do you feel like there are many things that you shoulda, coulda, woulda created, but somehow can't push yourself to see it through? Bad Art is an immersive workshop in which you will challenge yourself to question your perception of what is good and what is bad content, as well as identifying where your creative stuckness may be coming from. In this workshop, Amna Arman, 
founder of Sane in the Membrane and therapist, will be discussing how to identify your internal creative bully, challenge the negative and perfectionist narrative you have of yourself, unpack your creative hoard, and examine your neglected creative ideas and endeavors. You'll be committed to a creative process that works for you, and you'll complete this workshop with an in-depth understanding of yourself and your creative process. You'll be able to identify the narrative of what's holding you back creatively and rewrite it if you choose to. Whether you consider yourself to be a creative or not, you have an idea, we all do, and this fire burning within us. And if you have an urge to see it come to life, but you don't know how to, then bad art is for you. And you're able to sign up for bad art by joining Pause on the Play, the community. You can find out more details about doing that at pauseontheplay.com slash community. Again, that is pauseontheplay.com slash community. Inside Pause on the Play, the community, you'll be able to access bad art 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and our resource library where you get to take in all the awesomeness of this workshop and move through your creative blocks. I can't wait to see you inside the community and I can't wait to witness all the wonderful content that you will release as a result of bad art. You shared a little bit about like your experience of getting to this point where you were, dare I say, more committed to showing up consistently. And I'm kind of curious to know if you feel comfortable sharing like what switched, you know, in that process. (laughs) What switched in that process? You know, I think that there's just so many little pieces, like little, you know, just, ooh. Um, I think primarily where it started was, um, aligning myself with the clients that suited me or that, that were an amazing fit for where I was professionally. So once I started seeing more creatives, I gained esteem. Like I, I, I I could feel like my self-esteem was going up in terms of, uh, the business and, um, like feeling like I was uh, taking steps towards the right direction, the direction that I had seen, you know, before I started my business. So it's it's almost like all along, I knew what I needed. I just wasn't sure how I was going to get there. And so once I started seeing creatives, I think that's when things started shifting for me. Mm-hmm. And um, because it felt like, I was using my authentic voice. Like it was like, oh, you're not acting here. <laughs> like you you're you're really seeing people that not only are you, you know, like it, it wasn't about the money at that point. It was about just um doing the thing that I wanted to do. Aiding creatives, helping them heal and all that good stuff. So I think that's what started it. And then it was just, I don't know what shifted in January. And I, I, I know that it's not just a me thing. I do think that there's some energy around 2022 that's just really kind of igniting and, you know, igniting people's fire and like pushing people to go through, to go through with their ideas and just kind of like do the stuff, just create, 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 release, release, release. And I think January is when things started, you know, kind of shifting for me. And I kept looking at my phone and I'm like, okay, so you've downloaded this thing in November. You have so much to say, so many ideas. You know, these clients are getting so much out of you. You got people nagging you to get on this platform. Just do it. Just do the thing. (laughs) (laughs) And really, and I, and I sat there for like hours recording and re-recording, thinking I sounded stupid, like, you know, picking and nagging at every, you know, little piece of whatever it is that I could hold on to that was negative, like throughout the, you know, throughout the recording process. Until I just started critic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's what it's called. Um, and then it was just, yeah, just releasing the stuff. It was, it was pent up energy that, that needed to be, you know, 
uh, released. And I think once I wasn't fearful of my perception, right? And I just acknowledged that like, hey, the perception is, your perception is going to be there. There are going to be many videos that I think, you know, in which I think I sound ridiculous and I don't sound articulate and I don't know what I'm talking about, right? The perception is going to be there. But it's not, you know, I can't rely on that or depend on that because my perception is oftentimes skewed. Um, so also kind of uh, practicing what I preach has been, <laughs> has been helpful throughout this process. Ah, thank you so much for sharing. Because I know as service providers, it can be very easy to only talk about what we see in our clients, <laughs> but not share like our own journey of having to navigate these things as well. Um, and I know one of the things that you do do is provide, uh, therapy and support for creatives and some of what comes up related back to this conversation is this concept of like bad art, Mm -hmm. um, or in your case, it might've been bad content, (laughs) (laughs) but could you share more about like, what is your perspective on that? Like, how are you Mm. defining bad art or bad content? Or what would you want someone to know about it? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, I feel like I have to take it way, way back. Um, the, the, the concept of bad art. Again, this is something that came to me like almost a year ago. <laughs> right? And, and I could resonate with what you're saying in terms of like ideas come, ideas go, ideas come. I, you know, because that's, that's how my mind works as well. So, but this idea it, uh, ba- of bad art came to me during a meditation. It was like a two or three hour kind of retreat type of meditation. And at that point I had been working with a bunch of creatives and they weren't only like creatives who hoarded their ideas, but they labeled their ideas and endeavors as bad. Mm. It was always like, I, I, it was a constant. I'm like, wait, did I see this client yesterday? No, it's not the same one. Let me check the name, you know? Um, <laughs> It is just a constant, this is bad. I haven't released it because of this. I'm, I'm working on this, but I want to trash it, you know? Um, and I remember thinking like in the meditation that I had done and also like, you know, throughout seeing these creatives, these creatives is like, you know, their egos are like, they're labeling a whole lot of good ideas as bad. And I, and I started thinking like, what if I was able to get these clients to see that the bad art wasn't what they had perceived it to be and i and, you know I, I kind of thought us thought of a way to like push them to be able to take risks in ways that highlighted what they perceived to be bad and to re-examine their perception of the work itself and that's how bad art was was uh born um and it was just that yeah it was it was a, it was out of this agitation with the way creatives perceived themselves and then the importance that they place on their own perception. So it was an agitation with that, but also an agitation with myself as well. <laughs> you know, because I, I was basically doing the same thing, right? But yeah, this concept, yeah, it's it's almost been a year that it came to me. And it's one of those ideas that simply will not go away. You know, it, it's like I'm driving and I think about it. I'm taking a shower and it comes to me again. You know? So some I'm finally you know, uh, releasing it, but yeah, <laughs> it's almost as if it kept happening on the show. Hey, Hey, Amna, when are you going to shower me with people? <laughs> Hello, I'm still here. <laughs> oh, it'd be like that. You know it. <laughs> well, in that same breath, I mean, you've worked with a lot of creatives. You're a creative yourself, not just in creating content, but also like you do your own art. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's definitely some insights in you <laughs> and perspective in you um, out of being on both sides of that. So I'd love to know if there are any like common mistakes or misconceptions or things that you'd like to disrupt as far as your industry and being creative that you're encountering. Yeah. It's funny that you said that because as soon as you said, well, you're a creative too, I instantly, my perception wanted to challenge that. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, 
But no, I think the more the more entrenched I got in the work, right, not outside of myself as well, like I obviously I do internal work, but the work that I do with clients is, you know, that perception going back to what we said earlier is is that perception of I have this creative block, right? And I just want to deal with the block. So I think for me, what started coming up was um, this realization that services, therapeutic services, had to be tailored to addressing the stuff rather than addressing the block. Mm. And it, what, what's really beautiful about this is the way it could be done is you use the format of the creative. So like if someone is into visual arts or if someone writes or, you know, whatever type of content they do create, you can use their process of creating to process some of those, you know, childhood, uh, some of the childhood stuff that needs to be processed. What? So Hold I've, on. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Please. Oh, right, please do share. <laughs> um, so like I had a um I had a client do uh, a short skit, like a short, yeah, a short film, uh processing a memory that really, you know, kind of had them in this place of stuckness. And, you know, this person is a playwright and is a writer. And, mm. and so it, it hits on a different level. And I think that for the most part, the way the creative mind works is different. It's, 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 not, it's not a linear process. Healing isn't linear, period, right? But for a creative, oftentimes therapy can feel... Um, can feel like a different, uh, can feel like a familiar space in which the artist is misunderstood yet again. Mm. So you want me to sit here and unpack my stuff in a neat way. Well, my mind doesn't work that way. You know, and oftentimes, like, and I get this with the marginalized community as well, like where they, they come to get services from me and they're like, whoa, you get it. And with artists, the same exact thing applies. Their services need to be tailored to the way they process. It's not, um, it's not a traditional approach to services. And so, again, like marginalized communities, artists don't seek therapy for that reason. Because they're going to feel like they're not understood. They're going to feel like the way they process is messy. They're going to feel inarticulate. Because their thoughts come out in fragments at times, right? Or, you know, they, they think things a, a different way or they see it or they, you know, it's just a different form of processing. And if they come into therapy and again, it's another place where they have to perform, they're going to shut down. So they're not really, you know, they're not really getting anything out of it. And that's just going to reinforce the perception of I'm misunderstood. No one's ever going to understand me. I should just cave in and, you know. Amna, my mind is blown like that. It makes so much sense to tailor the type of services based on the way that someone processes things and how their brain works. Oh, my God. And yes. Yet, oh, my God. Yes. That is not. I mean, I'll be the first to say on this podcast. I've said in the past, I've experienced working with different therapists and different modalities. I've never heard a therapist say that. I've never seen a therapist in my, my own lived experiences and the experiences that have been shared with me from friends and family to take that approach. It's just like, oh, I do solution. What is it called? Brief <laughs> solution focused. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about that one. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Or my modality is somatic or my modality is EMDR. Mm -hmm. And so that's just what everybody's getting. Like everybody gets it because yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. And you know, when people like, again, like when people ask me what I do, I'm like, I work with the marginalized community. And creatives, right? Like, or marginalized communities and creatives. And for the most part, people are like, huh, why would you, why those two groups? Like, why would you, how would you put those two groups together? What? Why couldn't you just say, well, you know, um, 
creatives of color? Why does it have to be the marginalized and, you know, the creatives? Like, because they're not process- the same thing. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Yeah, that too. But also like the process, yeah, the processing is different and similar, you know? So it's, um, yeah, I got a lot to say about that, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I definitely think that that is a room to dig deeper in a later episode. Um, And in this moment, I would love to know if you could share, you know, what you've witnessed on the other side of that processing and being able to do it in a way that relates back to their process of how they create. Like, what are some of the feedback and results that you've seen in your clients? Like, mm. I wish I could say that this was a predetermined question for this episode, but this is actually just <laughs> India being mad curious. Yeah, I was like, wait, did I get this in the question thing? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. The first thing that comes to mind is people will often say, or creatives will often say, I never saw it that way. Like, it's this experience has never been validated this way. My experience has never been validated this way. And it's been validated now. Because I've used my words and my terms and my creative modality to process this. So it really gives them a sense of agency in telling their story, telling their narrative through their lens. And again, I'm just kind of, I'm the facilitator. Yeah, that gives me goosebumps just kind of (sighs) thinking about that. I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you know, just allowing, yeah, allowing... um, Allowing them to process things again through their modality has been has been life changing, and then also um, I think the most powerful piece of the work is in in dealing with the childhood stuff, and then seeing how much lighter these clients are in their present, and how suddenly right like out of nowhere ooh I finished the play. After our session, I finished the, I don't know how. I'm not sure what happened. What did we talk about last week? I finished the play. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of and to witness and to kind of take a, you know, to take a step back and recognize that, that that is the work doing its work, right? That's the processing doing its work outside of session. Oftentimes people think that the majority of, therapy happens in session and that's not the case it happens outside of session and the you know what it is you process and the energy that you carry throughout your week um and how you decide to you know to interact with that energy and that's 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 where the real work is and that's where the shift happens and just hearing that oof that makes it you know that that just yeah it's it's the most powerful thing ever i was just thinking that like this sounds so powerful, so transformational, and yet almost like a, a coming home for a person back to themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Now, I know after listening to this episode, so many people are probably wanting to learn more about working with you and things like that. I mean, how could they not? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I would love if you could share how someone can inquire about services with you. And then also um, for those who are looking for like a one small step before they do that, what would you suggest that they do? Oh, yeah. I would visit my site, saneinthemembrane.com and kind of go through, you know, go through the, the about me, what therapy with me looks like. I'd go through that. And then you can just, you know, send an email my way. And I offer a free 30-minute consultation to kind of get to know you and get to know what it is you're looking for and to see whether we'd be a good fit for each other. And then after that, we can kind of figure out, you know, what the work would look like. And if you're just curious about the work, I would check out uh, Instagram and TikTok. And it's Sane in the Membrane uh, for both Instagram and TikTok, and they're separated with um uh, dots periods <laughs> yep i don't know how to say that but <laughs> <laughs> like do i just list it saying dot in dot the dot memory i don't know <laughs> too funny 
For those of you wanting to check those out, you'll also be able to see the information for that in the episode description, as well as the article page associated with this, where you can just click on it and go straight on over. And I know I've said this to you before, but absolutely love the name of your brand. I've thought that from day one. It so takes me back to like, I want to say like being around like 10 years old, riding around my dad in his pickup truck <laughs> as he's listening to <laughs> Sane in the Membrane. <laughs> Wait, were we born in the same year? Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so if you've never heard that song before, it's not the most... Uh, it's not the most language and politically correct from an inclusion standpoint, but <laughs> it's good music from back at that time. <laughs> no judgments, right? <laughs> right. We knew very little. We know we knew very little about inclusion then. <laughs> so I know every episode we try to leave the listeners with one thing, one one thing that they can do to go out and create change and take action in their lives or for their brands. And here, a lot of our conversation was around creative, creating and releasing. And I'm just wondering if there's one action that you would want someone to take regarding that or something else. (laughs) Well, okay. There's two things. I'm sorry. I'm, I I can't just do one thing. Okay. 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 Um, one, I want you to think of creating and releasing as inhaling and exhaling. Like you need, yes, you need to inhale. We need to take the oxygen in, right. But you also need to exhale. So creating is inhaling, releasing is exhaling. Just that is just if you can Mm. write that down somewhere and to remind yourself. And the last thing I will say is your perception of you at times does not matter, especially when it comes to creative endeavors. Challenge that perception, period. I mean, you just dropped the mic. So, I mean, I think I got nothing else to say about that. I mean, but listen, a lot of people are not going to agree with that, but I'm just putting it out there. Amna, thank you so much. It's always a breath of fresh air to chat with you and to just witness your growth, your evolution, the work that you're doing. Uh, I know that you are a busy, busy, busy woman. So for spending time with us today here, I thank you. You are so very welcome. I enjoyed every minute of it. I so love this conversation with Amna. And I'm just so glad that I was able to bring her here so that you can get a taste of this wonderful, incredible, and loving human being. You know, one of the things that Anna talks about is how you can't cultivate a relationship with someone that you feel like you don't really know. And I just love the fact that as a therapist, as someone who is getting to learn so much about people, things that they don't tell anyone else sometimes, that she allows her clients to really view her as a real human. She shares her experiences. You know, she doesn't do what many therapists do, which is leaving themselves on the shelf, so to speak, and brings her own lived experiences and things like that to the work that she does. I mean, I think that can be so important, especially for people of color, to know that they have that bit reflected back to them. Sometimes that means sharing parts of her life that mirror the circumstances that people are facing. Sometimes that sense of familiarity allows, you know, her to exist as a person and allow another person to exist without the fear of judgment. And that safety and that just kind of recognition there is so, so important in your work with someone who is guiding you on your journey of your healing. And so I'm so glad that she was able to be here. And I know that at the end of this conversation, you are probably very intrigued and excited to learn more about Amna. So I really and truly do want to encourage you to go find her on the places that she hangs out at. You can find her at sane, S-A-N-E dot N dot the dot membrane on Instagram and TikTok. Her content is so, so good. And you can also find out more about her services at saneinthemembrane.com. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I'm just really excited for the things that are ahead. I mean, it's been a beautiful year in the world of our podcast, both here at Font Your Fire and over at Pause in the Play. I mean, there's some incredible episodes literally being recorded right now as I'm talking to you by Erica Corday. So if you haven't already checked out Pause in the Play, I would invite you to open up your podcast app that you're currently listening from. Or if you are reading this article, head on over to Pause in the Play. And if you're listening through an app, you want to search for Pause, P-A-U-S-E, on the play. And over there, you're going to find some really cool episodes. I mean, Erica is talking about everything in the realm of diversity, equity, inclusion, but not just in the way that we think of it being only the anti-racist rhetoric, but she's also digging into looking at your own internal imposter and challenging imposter syndrome, right? She's also digging into really building out your business in a way that leaves hustle culture behind and looks at being more sustainable and humanizing yourself and your team members and really building that company culture that you truly desire to have, even if you're a company of one. So head on over and check out the Pause in the Play podcast. Now I can guarantee you, you won't regret it. And coming up on this podcast, we're going to be talking about quite a few things, including digging into the creative side of your brand visibility. So I'd love to know, you know, did you enjoy this episode? You can always share more with us about that over on Instagram at Flaunt Your Fire. And I'd love to know what things show up for you as far as looking at the creative side, the creativity that all of us entrepreneurs and brand owners have in order to develop what we do. What are some of the blocks that you have, questions you have? Do share. And until the next episode, keep flaunting your fire. This episode of Flaunt Your Fire is brought to you by Pause on the Play. You can learn more about its community, workshops, and podcast by visiting pauseontheplay.com. Again, that's pauseontheplay.com. The Flaunt Your Fire podcast is recorded on the stolen land of my brother's ancestors, the Piscataway people. This land is known by many as the capital of the United States, Washington, D.C., and its surrounding area. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?